Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we begin a two-day journey with Mac Dominic as he looks at the triumphant return of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Kenneth Hill has some encouraging words for us from the Scriptures. As we begin a brand new week together, I want to say thank you to everyone who came to our Prophecy Conference this past weekend in Anchorage, Alaska. Thank you to everyone at radio station KATB and Anchorage Baptist Temple for the wonderful hospitality, and a big thanks goes out to the hundreds of folks who came and attended this special conference. Our next conference on the calendar is our Summer Virtual Prophecy Conference, July 15th through the 23rd. Watch when you want, as often as you want. Ten different speakers, all online and all on demand. Register today for the Summer Virtual Prophecy Conference by visiting the events section of our website, swrc.com, or by calling 1-800-652-1144. Staff Evangelist James Collins welcomes Mac Dominic to the program now to look at the triumphant return of Jesus Christ. I'm blessed again to have our friend Mac Dominic on the phone with me today to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. Mac is one of our favorite Bible teachers and a longtime friend to our ministry. Today we're going to talk about his two-volume teaching DVD set titled The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ. Brother Mac, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Thank you so much, James. It is always, always a pleasure to speak with you. Well, let's talk about this DVD set, The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ. In this video project, you go from Genesis to Revelation to teach the return of the Lord. What prompted you to do this teaching? I felt that when we put this together, that there was a real need to do an overall view of the return of Christ, actually in the whole Bible, because, as you know, even when you do a study on the book of Revelation, There is a tremendous amount of the Old Testament that's in Revelation, and the book of Revelation goes all over the Bible. So when you're looking at the return of Christ, which is the highlight of the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, when Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds as King of kings and Lord of lords, that is the culmination of all of Scripture. You know, Actually, if you look back to the book of Genesis and you look at the fall of man and the position that Adam lost as what we would call the theocratic administrator of God's kingdom on earth, from that point on, God's plan was to have a replacement for Adam. And since mankind fell into the sin, the only way to replace Adam would be with a perfect replacement. And that's what we have in Christ, who became a man and became the perfect replacement as the theocratic administrator of God's kingdom, and that's certainly what he will do. So when we look at that and we look at that aspect of the return of Christ, this is an account of Scripture and God's plan from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Well, Mac, there's so much confusion when it comes to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really appreciate how your teaching cuts through that confusion and looks at what the Bible says. Now, you start off with Acts chapter 1 and the ascension of Jesus. We read there that the apostles said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, what was the kingdom the disciples were anticipating? You know that when 
Jesus appeared at his incarnation and his first coming, there was a feeling among the Jewish people that they were looking for the Messiah because they knew they had failed under the law because there was all 12 tribes had not been reunited because, you know, all the promises in the Old Testament was for the entire nation of Israel, not just Judah and Benjamin. And so there was a feeling of failure there of when is Israel going to be reunited? When are we going to come back together with the other ten tribes as a whole nation? And then there were all kinds of problems and expectations. The Roman Empire was overlording over them, and so there was an anticipation of the Messiah at that point in time. The tragic thing of the whole story is that Messiah came and they rejected him. But of course, the apostles who were standing there in the book of Acts chapter 1, when this account took place, they were the ones that knew that Jesus was the Messiah, and he had died on the cross, he rose again, and they were convinced that he was now going to march back in in triumph, defeat Rome, and set up the kingdom. But Jesus told them, in the words of Chuck Missler, when they asked that question, Jesus basically told them, well, it's none of your business, but here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. So basically, he was telling them, kingdom is not yet, but you have a job, and you've got to go out and do this, and you're going to be witnesses to me in all the world, starting in Jerusalem and into the entire world, and I will come back and set up my kingdom. And that's what was going on. But they were really anticipating, because of all that had happened, for all the expectation, for all the difficulties facing Israel at that point in time, that Jesus would set up his kingdom at that specific time. Let me ask you about the Davidic Covenant. What exactly is the Davidic Covenant, and what does it have to do with Jesus Christ's reign on the earth? Well, it has a lot to do with it, because God promised David that he would not lack a man to sit on his throne, on the throne of Israel forever, and that his kingdom would last forever. We see that in Isaiah chapter 9, that the king would come and he would sit on the throne of his father David forever. And so that meant that the Messiah must come from the line of David. And, of course, in our Bibles, in our New Testaments, we have the genealogies in Matthew and the genealogy in Luke. And the genealogy in Matthew goes through the line of the kings of Israel that were of the line of David all the way up to Joseph, who was the husband of Mary. But the problem was is Joseph was not the father of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, And God the Father was the Father of Jesus Christ through the miraculous virgin birth, and it wasn't a mortal man, it wasn't Joseph. And secondly, that line could never have succeeded in bringing forth the Messiah through the line of the kings, because we know that in the book of Jeremiah, the king of Israel at the time of the Babylonian captivity, one of them before Zedekiah, was cursed. And the prophet Jeremiah said that, Jeconiah, you will never have a man to sit on the throne of Israel and prosper. So that was a curse on that line. So therefore, we have the genealogy in Luke, which turns out to be a different genealogy, and it turns out to be the genealogy of Mary. 
And, of course, that is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, where it talks about the seed of the woman. And, you know, in Genesis 3.15, when that prophecy was given and the Old Testament scholars from Israel looked at that, it makes no sense because the Jews looked at the seed as the seed of the man, not the seed of the woman. And so we see in Luke, we see the line of the coming of the Messiah through the genealogy of Mary here, because in Genesis 3.15, it prophesied about the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and that was quite an enigma and a mystery to Old Testament Jewish scholars because they looked at the seed which brought forth new life as being the seed of the man, and the woman was just the receptacle of the seed. And so the only way, the only way that that prophecy will work is with the virgin birth. And so we see in the book of Luke the genealogy that comes down not through the line of Solomon, but through the line of Nathan, the son of David, to Mary's father, then that way we see the seed of the woman and the virgin birth being exemplified in our New Testament. Mac, when it comes to Christ setting up his kingdom, it will be a literal kingdom, not a kingdom in the hearts of people like some teach, correct? That's correct. There is a very broad teaching, and I think a lot of good Bible teachers who are very well-intentioned make statements like, we need to be advancing the kingdom of God, we need to be building the kingdom of God, and statements like that. And I think a lot of people say it without giving a lot of thought to it. But the reality is that the kingdom of God on earth will not come to fruition until Jesus Christ returns, Revelation 19, when he comes back on the white horse, he defeats the Antichrist, and he sets up his throne with the raptured and redeemed saints from the New Testament and the resurrected saints from the Old Testament, and we will rule and reign with him for a literal thousand years on earth. You know, it's interesting because some Bible scholars that I have, frankly, a lot of respect for just totally reject a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. I'm not looking at my Bible, but I believe it's Revelation chapter 20. In the first few verses, it is mentioned six times that Jesus will reign for a thousand years. We know he will reign from Jerusalem. The Old Testament tells us that David himself will be resurrected and be the king of Israel, but Jesus Christ will be king over the entire world, and we're told in the New Testament that we as born-again Christians will live and reign with him for a thousand years. So what that means is, here in the age of grace, when we are living as born-again individuals, we are basically in training. We are being trained, we are being conditioned, we are being prepared to rule with Christ in the kingdom we are not we are not advancing or building the kingdom because Jesus himself is going to set up his kingdom and he doesn't need our help. This is James Collins and my guest on the program is Mac Dominic. We're talking about his excellent DVD set called The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ. 
There are over five hours of great teaching on this DVD set. It's sort of like a Bible Prophecy 101 class. You can purchase a copy right now of this two-DVD set by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online at swrc.com. Mac, let's go to the Old Testament now. We could do a week's worth of programs or more on Daniel chapter 2. But for just a few minutes, let's talk about that chapter. In Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a statue. Tell us about that dream and what did each section of the statue represent? Daniel chapter 2 is the key to Bible prophecy. And the interesting thing was, this was a dream that a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, had. It wasn't a vision given to a prophet, but it was a dream given to a pagan king. But Daniel told the king when he interpreted the dream that God had showed him what was going to come to pass in the latter days. That's absolutely amazing. You know, the one thing we have to understand is that when we see prophecy like this in the Bible, prophecy that has come to pass, it should increase our faith to the point that we say, you know what, if God gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream and each one of these aspects came to pass, we should have complete faith that what is yet in the future will also come to pass. And what that does, it shows us that God is truly God. Because we as human beings are locked into our four-dimensional world that we live in. We're going forward day to day. We can't go back in time. We can't go forward in time. We're bound by height and depth and time. And so there's nowhere we can go. But when we see a prophecy like this, this literally mentally takes us out of our four-dimensional time and we see that God is truly God. And this is something the other major religions of the world don't have because God has showed us in over one-third of the Bible by Bible prophecy, and so much of it has come true, that he is truly God. Now, what he gave to Nebuchadnezzar was a view of world kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar saw this great image or statue, and it had a head of gold, arms and breastplates of silver, thighs of brass, legs of iron, and ten toes with iron and miry clay. And then he interpreted the dream. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that, Nebuchadnezzar, these are kingdoms that will come to fruition over time, and you, the king of the Babylonian Empire, are the head of gold. And another kingdom inferior to you will come after you, and that kingdom will be the breastplate of silver. And the interesting thing and the key to all of this is each one of these kingdoms were kingdoms that controlled the entire world. Now, a lot of people will come back and say, well, you know, the Babylonian Empire didn't cover the whole world, and these other empires didn't cover the whole world. But from what we read in the Bible, these empires had influence over the entire known world. The Bible is very clear. Nebuchadnezzar thought that or he would have objected to Daniel telling him that. Mm -hmm. So these are world empires. 
we have the benefit of history that Nebuchadnezzar didn't have because we know that after the Babylonian Empire fell, they were conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. And, of course, that is the two arms and the two aspects of that empire being two are the Medes and the Persians. And we know the Medo-Persian Empire was conquered by Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. And when the Grecian Empire fell, that was the next world empire that came on the scene was the Roman Empire. And since the Roman Empire, there has not been another empire that controlled the entire world. Oh, there have been men that tried it. Genghis Khan tried it with the Mongolian Empire. Adolf Hitler wanted to do that. Our history books don't really tell us that, but that's really what Hitler's goal was, was to rule the entire world. And so people have tried it, but they have never been successful. And we know from this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that a world empire is going to come to pass that's made up of feet and ten toes, which we are told are ten kingdoms, and that image will be smitten on the feet. In other words, and it says, I think the exact words of the King James are, and in the days of those kings, the Almighty God will set up his kingdom, and it will be like a stone that smites the image on the feet, grinds the image to powder, and the stone will become a mountain that will cover the entire world. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the next world empire or the next world government, which we haven't seen since the days of Rome, will be this kingdom that will be set up with ten kings, and it will be in the days of those kings that Jesus Christ will return and set up his kingdom and rule the entire earth. Brother Mack, I really appreciate this. This is fascinating. Great Bible teaching. Next time, I'd like to move back to the New Testament, to Matthew 24, and talk about the birth pains. Thanks so much, Mac, for being on the program with me today. My pleasure. We'll have more from Mac Dominic on the triumphant return of Jesus Christ next time. Today, we are excited to offer Mac Dominic's two-volume DVD set, The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ. Over five hours of teaching are featured in this set. Order The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ by Mac Dominic today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online, swrc.com. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here now with some special words for us from God's Word. We're going to be in Psalm 103. And I've got one verse we're going to concentrate on in just a moment. But right now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a time of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Oh, you are so good to us. Thank you for loving us without exception. And thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you're doing for us even in this moment. Father, it seems that our days grow shorter instead of longer, and it 
seems that we can't get everything done that we'd like to get done. You know all about that, and you know what really needs to get done. So would you help us to get that part done every day? Whatever the greatest need is in your sight, Father, help us to be able to accomplish that task. Watch over us and put us in your hand and hold us close to you. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the word that you've given us, the word of God, the word of truth, and we thank you for that. Now we ask that you would work in our hearts as we look into your word today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God is good to us. He is better to us than we are to ourselves. Now think about that for just a moment. God is better to us than we are even just to ourselves. God is in control of all of these things. What the world is doing, well, God knows what's going on. God is not taken by surprise. He never has a thought that says, oh, I didn't know about that. Because God always knows, doesn't he? Psalm 103, verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Some people would say that this is a statement that could be made about the love of God. Just as the father loves his child, that's how God loves us. Well, that's true, but it only touches a part of it because God's love was for us when we were at enmity with him. When we were his enemy, he still loved us. Wow. Well, here in this verse, we see a father's concern for his children and the Lord's concern for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then we're told that he loves us like a father loves his own child. For he knoweth our frame, verse 14, he remembereth that we are dust. Verse 15, as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Isn't it true? We have such a brief sojourn here on this earth, and yet as we travel here in this life, we are to remember that God knows us, and he knows us completely, not partially, but completely. You know, I've been married to my sweet wife for 40 years six years next anniversary. It seems like a lot less time, but that's the time as the calendar shows it. 
and yet I don't know my wife as well as God knows her. I don't even know myself as well as God knows me. He knows our frame, and he remembers that we're simply dust. Isn't that something? He knows we are but just dust. How simple it is, and yet how profound it is for God to know us and remember that we are just simply dust. When God created man, he created him from the dust of the earth. And it's from the dust we come, and it's to the dust we return, according to God's word. But God loves us even though we are just dust. He loves us. I'm reminded in Psalm 103, verse 13, that God loves me. He loves me just as my Father loved me, but more so. And he knows me far more than my dad knew me. And my dad knew me very well. He knows me better than anyone and he still loves me. How wonderful it is to know that God truly loves us. Now, if he loves us, what will he not do for us? Well, we know he loves us, and if that's true, and it is, then what will he do for us? What we ask or think, isn't it? beyond our asking, into our thinking, and even beyond he loves us. And so this Psalm of David, Psalm 103, brings us to the truth that God in his wisdom loves us in spite of ourselves, knowing that our frame is dust, knowing that our days are few, knowing that we don't know much but we can know the love of God. We can know the love of God completely, assuredly, wonderfully. We can know the love of God. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. What a great Savior we have in Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. My friend, do you know Jesus Christ as your loving Savior? Do you know Jesus Christ as the one who loves you without fail? Oh, my friend, if you don't, make the assurance of your salvation today. Come to faith in Christ Jesus and give yourself without reservation to him, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. God bless you, my friend. Have a wonderful day. Today we are excited to offer Mac Dominic's two-volume DVD set entitled The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ. Over five hours of teaching are featured in this set. Order The Triumphant Return of Jesus Christ by Mac Dominic when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. 
Mac Dominic returns tomorrow to continue his study on the triumphant return of Jesus Christ. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you.